We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week, our guest is the former executive editor of the New York Times, Jill Abramson. Now remember, we love taking your questions, so write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to Politicon for next week's show. And we'll get to as many as we can, but don't forget to tell us where you're from. Please check out the links to our sponsors, Stellar Sleep, ExpressVPN, and Songfinch in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting these sponsors because it really makes this podcast happen. So please tell your friends about us and remind them to, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. James Carville, it's really a very pleasant uh, uh, morning in Washington, mid-50s, sun's out. Normally at this time for 40 years and 11 presidential uh, primary or caucuses, I'd be in freezing, snowy Iowa with to cover Democrats and Republicans crossing that stage from Sioux City to Dubuque. Uh, I found towns that I really love to go to, like Grinnell, the birthplace of where Harry Hopkins went to college. Uh, but, you know, th th this year I'm not going out there. I know a lot of reporters are because it's the only game in town. There's only a Republican caucus, no Democratic caucus. I don't even think the Republican caucus matters that much. Uh, I, I guess that who finishes second matters. Trump will win. If DeSantis finishes third, he'll probably have to drop out. Uh, and it was easy for the Democrats to deep six the caucus because they screwed it up so badly last time. Uh, and I, I really don't have any idea, you know, what's going to happen. I don't know how terribly important it is. So tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know if I can tell you that you're wrong. Uh, I, I, the only thing I think we could, I could easily be proved because we're coming back after the Iowa caucuses. I think Trump may. I took it to we probably win. Yes. But. I think he may underperform. And I base this only on this. I don't know anything about Iowa caucuses. We didn't even anticipate him in 92. I know less about Republican caucus goers. But it does seem that the opposition, the, this Vanderplatz guy, apparently big deal, but uh, religious, you know, right kind of guy. It, it's going to be zero degrees. And it just strikes me from a distance that the Trump, candidates other than Trump seem to be a little better organized in these Iowa caucuses, and I suspect that organization can can help somewhat there. So I, based on not any polling or anything like that, but just kind of instinct, they might do a, not a, a, a little better. Uh, and as we know, New Hampshire don't count for much. It's going to come, but, you know, Haley could, could do very well there. And she get crushed in, in South Carolina because New Hampshire primary allows independence. South Carolina doesn't. But uh, we'll see. I mean, at least it'll give us something to, some actual voting results to talk about. That's all I can say. 
It'd be interesting because. Well, confirming your suspicion, uh, I hear from time to time to a good friend of our, remember our late dear friend, Alan Barron, who was a, an Iowan and he, he was had an encyclopedic knowledge. One of his friends stays in touch. And he says there's lots of rumblings of Democrats who are going to actually go in the Republican caucus uh, and vote for Haley in order to stop Trump. I don't know how big that is. Usually it's anecdotally uh, more impressive than it is substantively. But, um, you know, we'll see. And I <clears throat> I will say this. I, there are things I miss about Iowa. Two of my favorite people, Ann Selzer, one of the great pollsters in America, Michael Gartner, just, uh, you know, extraordinary journalist and writer and baseball owner and publisher and everything else. But the Iowa caucuses just seem like yesterday now. I, I guess, I mean, but it's got to say, these, these Republicans are putting a shitload of money in there and a shitload of, you know, sweat and effort and, you know, going around and, uh, yeah, it's pretty cold up there right now. And Oh pretty, my God. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, where they go, so go we. <laughs> I guess it's, and we, we might find them boring, but they, they sure, sure spend a lot of money down on the Republican side. And I, I, again, my experience with one party getting involved in the other parties, primary or caucuses or, or anything else, pretty, pretty limited. I mean, you, you got to be pretty committed Democrat to say, I'm going to go uh, with a bunch of Republicans because they're all kind of from the same area. <laughs> I'm going to show up and vote for, you know, caucus with Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis to stop right. I, 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 I'm not buying that. I mean, When you walk into that town center, that Elks Club, that school, uh, you know, in most of these places, <clears throat> you know a lot of people. So it's, uh, sure. I, 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 um, <clears throat> there's part of me that wishes I was out there because that's where it's happening. But uh, I'm pretty comfortable right here in Washington. Hope to get to New Hampshire. You know, I was out there in 2000, you know, you know, Beechcraft or something, Cessna. It, it, this pilot says, you know, the wings are starting to ice up and we're going to do this. And I might have to land. You know, I go, Jesus Christ, what the fuck what am I doing here? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, man. And driving on those. I mean, it is it really is. There'll be huge banks of snow. And uh, but there are some really, really charming towns. As I say, I love Grinnell. And um, there, there, there are other places. But uh, charming towns in Arizona. They're not very charming in August. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and <laughs> there's charming places in New Orleans. You just but sometimes. Yeah. Not, but anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So let's turn to something that's really, really happening, and that's the House Republicans. <laughs> James, they get loonier by the week, uh, maybe by the day. Mike Johnson, the now the speaker, who's hardly a beacon of moderation or really of much skill, accepted a budget compromise that you had to accept. It was basically negotiated before, necessary to avoid a government shutdown. And now the right wing, the the real crazies are after him. They're accusing him of being soft and they want to go after him. You know, what they don't realize, of course, is there ain't anywhere near the votes to get what they want. Not even close. They have a majority now of two. Uh, and uh, so what's going to have to happen is Johnson's going to have to turn to Democrats. And the Democrats are going to say, fine, we're going to deliver for you. But if they move to vacate you, Mike, uh, we ain't going to support you unless you give us a hell of a lot more than that. So I think that speakership is in some peril and only after only two or three months, James. So I'm 
probably fashion myself as one of the most anti-Mike Johnson people that you can imagine. I've done YouTube video, spoken out. I, I, I think the guy's young earth nuts. All the con consumer anti-homosexuality has gotten in bed with some of the most horrific people you can imagine. Paul Pressler, Joe Aguilar, you name it. And I'll say all that. But hey, is that, they can't do much better. Right. It's just the way it is. It's just math. It's just political gravity. And I, I don't think, and I used to say, somebody needs to go explain to the squad what math is, what two, the number 218 means. Apparently, that people have no idea what the number 218 means. <laughs> and it's really weird. But the guy, he doesn't have any breathing room. And then Scalise is going to be out for a month. I think they put a two or one seat majority now. <clears throat> I mean, Kevin McCarthy resigned just to screw him. They got an Ohio George Santos in New York three is gone. Could you imagine how if the Democrats were this disorganized, how crazy everybody would be going? Oh God, we'd be like so critical. The press would be so critical, and. It's like it's just part of the ether that they're completely dysfunctional, which they are, by the way. I don't know if I remember a congressional party in, in the House or the Senate being this dysfunctional. You have a longer memory than I do over that stuff, but this, oh, is, this is I I, I agree, James. And you know, let's not forget for four years, Nancy Pelosi had the same basically the same working margin that McCarthy and um, Mike Johnson have, you know, and no one said the place was in shambles. It was chaotic because of her skill. And she would go to the squad and say, this is what votes. This is this is math. This is the votes we have. She was tough. She was smart. She was instinctive. Uh, none of which I think fit Mike Johnson. And you got to give the squad some credit. I mean, they, they didn't like yeah. it. But they, they they did go along. I mean, I, I would take our squadettes or whatever, uh, 20 to 1 over Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, oh James. It's much, I mean, it's, it's much I, bigger I, than that. Maybe 100 to 1. Maybe 100. Right. And I'm, I'm hardly uh, a, a squad simp. But you think, I mean, we got to have them. They, they, they're not nearly as bad as these crazy-ass people are. and. You know, they, they have their, their views that I don't agree with a lot of them, but at the end of the day, give, give Speaker Pelosi some credit. But look, they're standing behind uh, Leader Jeffers, and they did come along. They, however, reluctantly, they, they, they were loyal Americans, and I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, uh, these guys are crazy. You know, there's another thing that maybe you can help me on. There's an impeachment craze up there. Uh, on Wednesday, Hunter Biden surprised the Comer and Jordan, the Bobsy twins of witch hunts at their committees when he showed up at a hearing uh, that was going to hold him in contempt because he wouldn't testify in private. I didn't watch it, but from reading about it, he made him he made the <coughs> Comer and Jordan and others look like fools. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Nancy Mace and Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, went into conniptions. Uh, it's just because the whole thing is so absurd. But the other thing that's happening is they're going to impeach Homeland Security, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. Now, the last time 
I didn't cover this, James, but the last time a cabinet member was impeached was William Belknap in 1876, and he wasn't convicted. Can you tell me, because I don't understand it. I really don't. I'm not a lawyer. What high crime or misdemeanor did Secretary Mayorkas commit? Well, they got, they got to do something. They, they, they got to distract their base. But let me, I want to talk about the border a little bit. Because okay. I was a program, and our friend Admiral Stravitas, who is the very definition of a non-bullshit person, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and he he is not a, a, a right-winger at all. There's no evidence that he's okay. like in, in none. It, but none. And he was asked, it was actually on Michael Shakamish as a radio show. I listened to it. It's on POTUS channel. And he said, and, and, and he asked, what do you think is the bigger issue, the Taiwan Strait, Ukraine, or the Middle East? And he said, actually, I think the southern border is. Now, he didn't follow up. But if Admiral Chavitas thinks that the southern border is, let's just say maybe as big an issue as Taiwan, the Middle East, it, maybe it's time to listen. Maybe there's something there that we're not getting. And I'm very excited. Mary and I are going to speak to a border group that's like business people in February in El Paso. And I told the guys, I want to, I want to like see what's going on here because I don't know. And I do know this. There's a lot of, we got, we got to get Ruben Gallego on here. If you live in El Paso or you live in south of Tucson, you, you go back and forth the border all the time. You got relatives. It, it's not, it, it's like going from Washington, D.C. to Bethesda. All right. I mean, you got to show your passport, but that, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand about this issue. But some of it is not good. And it, it, it's easy to just ch- chalk it up to, you know, they, they exaggerate it. They're using this for political advantage. And I'm sure some of that is true. But when somebody like Admiral Shavita says he's worried about this as much as he is the Middle East, the Ukraine, the Taiwan, it's, it's time that somebody pay attention here. There's something going on down there. James, I, I agree with you. And, and I think it's an issue that if it's the same 10 months from now, it's more than any other issue uh, other than age. It'll cost Biden the election. You can't have this, the perception of an open border. And I don't know the details uh, either. That I agree with. But to yeah. impeach a Homeland Security well, I, yeah, Secretary yeah. is just, I mean, that, that gotta, really is batty. They, I, I think the problem is they got to do something. They can't do anything. They can't get to vote. They got to go to to. Leader Jeffers to get the votes, they even passed the budget that, that Johnson had to agree with. None of that is the most unproductive Congress, in, if, I think, in history. All right. So they got to go home with something. So I'll give you an easy vote. Let's impeach. Exactly. Well, okay, mm-hmm. then I go home and, I, and you can say, well, I, I, I did something. But I think if the border might be the operable literature here, it might be the little boy that cried wolf. As these people kept crying, well, kept, you know, it was this, and it was kind of Biden, of course, and it was uh, the Ukraine, it was something else, it was something else. And they're just so full of shit. Just anything they said, we, with good reason, dismissed it. But this might be the one time that there's, a, there's an actual wolf there. And it, it, it's not helping. I don't see, but I'm told we can't, the, 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 the left, 
we should get a real border liberal uh, progressive and get the, get their side because I don't quite understand it. But it's like, and, and now you see these stories about all the Chinese are leaving, trying to leave China and coming in. And hey, I'm sure a lot of them, I have nothing, well, I love Chinese people. They're fucking as hardworking as they can be. But, you know, they, all you got to do is slip a ring or two in there. And you, you got a, a, a major issue. So I, I don't know, but I, I, my New Year's resolution is I want to become more informed on border, border issues, and I want to attack it with a kind of open mind. Well, that's a good one, and let's just commit. <clears throat> We're going to find that uh, that liberal, that border expert, whatever, in the next uh, three or four weeks and have him on the show. Right. And why, you know, let's, let's ask Admiral Stravitas back on, because he's so freaking knowledgeable. Oh. It's so plugged in. But when he said that, and, and that I, I said, I didn't just hear this, and I heard somebody making the same point. And why, what's his, if, if, he, if he's worried, I'm worried. All right? No, if if I, Admiral Peters tells me it's Easter, I'm dying my eggs. I'm not even asking what day it is. Right. No, right? I'm, I'm with you. Okay. James, the Secretary of Defense, uh, Lloyd Austin uh, on on December late December uh, was operated on for prostate cancer. Never told anyone or never went public. January one rushed to the hospital again, and for four days they didn't say anything. The White House, the National Security Council, didn't know anything. Um, I I'm a admirer of Lloyd Austin, but this really is a a serious dereliction of duty and creates a political problem for Joe Biden. It's a, so the, from the Austin people, right? This is the best I can discern as their defense is that when he was in the army, he was very, it's a word I'm looking for a tack turn. Am I saying it right? Or kind of not emotional, you yeah. know, guy didn't talk to the press. Wasn't particularly anything. And if you're a four-star general, you can do that. It's not going to tell you anything. Right. You know, it's a, some people say it's true. Some people say it's not. I want it to be true that sometimes Eisenhower would not salute back. And he said, I'm not in the Army anymore. And right. that, you, that to understand, you're not in the Army, dude. You're, the, you're a civilian. There's a different set of rules that you're operating under. And you can't do this. And what, what, what bothers me about this, it just confirms a suspicion that Biden doesn't know what's going on around. Exactly. I, I, you, you know, you, and, and I, you, if somebody goes on TV or goes on Fox and says, this guy's so goddamn clueless, his secretary of defense was out. He didn't know for three or four days. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how many times the president had given event talks to the secretary of defense, but, but this just... This, con- this is very damaging because it confirms an existing suspicion. And yeah. if I was Biden, I would fire his ass right on the goddamn spot. But, you know, he's famously loyal. That, that's his brand. Yeah, I think Secretary Austin is a stunning soldier, got an unbelievable record. But I don't know who the fuck you think you are. You're not an army anymore. You you're second and... And, and so much of decision making goes through the chain of command. I mean, it's actually when something the president, the the, the Nichols Goldwater Act, 
decade, way back in the 80s. But it, it set up, and I think most people think it was a, a, a positive thing as to how orders are issued. And the Secretary of Defense is right under the president. He has to transmit the orders that the president give him. He's not a minor fucking figure here. No. Right? no. It's not like the Secretary of Defense. Particularly with a couple of wars going on right now, right. Jane. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I thought this was a... a Troubling story on many fronts, but the one I'm most familiar with on the political front, I thought it was particularly troubling. I really did. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, you know, even when he was a four star in the army, he had a superior. And the idea that he would go and be be really quite, quite ill and, and, and absent and not and not tell his superior, I think even in the army would be unacceptable. And it is most unacceptable in this current post. If it if it's not, it should be. And right. I, it was good on this. Is uh, you know he's always good. I think it's Josh Marshall at Talking Points. Who's the only yeah. human being in America who agrees with me on Afghanistan? <laughs> but, no, I'm sorry, that agrees with you on what, James? On Afghanistan. It just oh. I thought Biden did could cost him. I thought he did the right thing. The only way to get out is get the fuck out. And oh well, you can't you can't you know. It'd be point out Obama wanted to get out and the military kept saying, no, nah, you got to wait, you got to wait, you got to wait. I, but but I don't want to re- revisit the Afghanistan debate, but it's just interesting that I think he and I, only two people in America, I think that's one of the high points of the Biden administration. But at, at any rate, he, he had some good thoughts on the, the Lloyd Austin thing, which yeah. is troubling. Yeah, it is. Okay. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, James, our guest and my former colleague and my dear friend, Joe Abramson, is versed in so many subjects. Today, (laughs) we want to talk to the former executive editor of the New York Times, the only woman, by the way, to ever hold that powerful post, to discuss how the media should cover Donald Trump. And as a current Harvard professor, tell us about the intense debates about speech and governance at those elite universities. Let's, Let's start with Harvard. Jill, uh, the firing of President Gay, she and her colleagues were eviscerated at a congressional hearing, giving legalistic answers on matters of anti-Semitism. Let me ask you first, was she treated fairly and was it the plagiarism charge that really did her in? You know, I I think uh, that she she was 
you know, in terms of how Harvard treated her, she was treated fairly. How she was treated in the arena of social media and intense meet news media coverage, I'm less sure. Uh, I think, you know, that that once her, after, you know, she she was obviously vulnerable from the moment that Harvard issued that first net kind of namby-pamby uh, statement about the Hamas attack in October. And that then was compounded, you know, in a much more disastrous way by her congressional uh, testimony with the two other college presidents. Would she have survived but for then the additional plagiarism allegations? I'm not sure, but um, those, I think, indeed did do her in. And also, the part of the the anti-Claudine Gay campaign that um, stemmed from the plagiarism charges was, you know, a very kind of well-funded campaign on the right by a group of people who have waged war against the quote-unquote DEI industry, diversity, um, equity, and inclusion. And they, uh, Claudine Gay's scalp is a very big one for that crowd. And they're going after others too. What's the general reaction of students and faculty? Students and, and students and faculty are upset. Uh, especially members of the faculty who I know and talk to, they they feel that um, unprincipled donors led by a hedge fund guy named Bill Ackman were able to pressure Harvard into getting rid of Claudine Gay after she's only on the job for six months. Uh, obviously, that's, you know, it's the... Claudine Gay will go down as a William Henry Harrison of Harvard presidents anyway. <laughs> yeah, very, very short time in the position. And, yeah, the faculty knew her well. She'd been the dean of arts and sciences for years. So, um, they, you know, I think she enjoyed a, a fairly deep level of support. So the faculty is... is is upset and not all students. I mean, the student body has been very torn over um, the Hamas attack and especially over the subsequent Israeli response to that with so many Palestinians killed uh, that it, it, it's harder to, to gauge where the student body as a whole is. But um it's a mess. It's a big mess and a huge embarrassment. You didn't ask about the very mysterious and powerful hidden element in all this, which is the Harvard Corporation, which is yeah. the go- governing board for the university. And I mean, they screwed up big time. Well, they, Penny Pritzker survive the senior leader of that board of that corporation. You know, it, it, the the politics of that board are, are I feel are beyond me. I mean, the, watching watching the story as a journalist, I would say no. Penny Pritzker 
was her champion on the corporation. She led the search for a new president after Larry Bacow announced he was leaving. So the picking of Claudine Gay um, was to be Penny Pritzker's triumph. And instead it blew up like an exploding cigar. And, uh, you know, anybody who watches you know, different governing groups uh, closely would say that this has got to be, you know, disastrous for her. But I just don't know how the the inner workings of the Harvard Corporation uh, happen, you know, what, what their internal processes are. And, you know, I have a couple of calls out to some people who I think have a much better read on things like me, uh, you know, someone like Bob Rubin, Al, who's a good friend of yours, so not, not, should have should have a beat on it. But I, I haven't talked to him yet. James, so Jill, I go back to Claudine Day. Did didn't you mention that? But outrage, testimony was at worst constipated. All right. Oh, I was, think that's generous. That's okay, generous. okay. At, be, at best, it was constipated. Of course, her lawyer was a Federalist Society lawyer. Never tell me that she wasn't sandbagged, but it wasn't great, and she didn't have great answers. And Bill Ackman and other thing has gone crazy because, and, you know, Harvard student body has got people that sympathize with the Palestinians. Okay, they just do. It's just part of If you look into Poland, it, it, it's, it's not true. Of, it's true of most. Yeah, absolutely. So they so Trump has dinner at his place with Nick Fuentes, who calls for the execution of I all know. non Christians. I, I think know. they I think they want to shoot you to be frank with you. Al and I probably get by, but you won't. But it's still <laughs> well. and why are they so obsessed? And of course, the, the MIT, and you know it came from them, they leap into I looked at the plagiarism charge against. The, the president of Harvard, it was kind of bad. Okay, it was kind of sort of. It's it was very anodyne stuff. It's not like she was stealing original. Right. Yeah, but the stuff that that, like that that guy's wife did, holy moly! I know That's much like, worse. Yeah, right out to Wikipedia. To, you know, yeah. I see. The, the other embarrassing thing involving Bill Ackman's wife that hasn't gotten the attention that I think it should is that she made. She's an artist, and she made some kind of elaborate gift for Jeffrey Epstein. Nah, uh, so well, I just was apparently funny. very close to Epstein. Yeah, now as, he, as was Larry Summers, who's another person involved early on in sandbagging Claudine Gay. Yeah, uh, you know he's a, a former president of Harvard, and he didn't wait two seconds before he pronounced, you know, that that letter that Harvard issued, which was. Over crazy bland and not well done, but Claudine Gay didn't need Larry Summers jumping all over her right away, and he he he's connected to Jeffrey Epstein. So let's talk about the Washington Post because for whatever reason, the Times seems to be doing pretty well financially, and it it is which. How did the, what happened? How did the Post go? go so far down so fast. I mean, it was like 
shit, one day it was the Washington Post, the next day they, like, they're just a, a screwed up entity. What, what's some key decision points that they I made? Mean, you know, I, I would say the most obvious reason, and I wish I I had original reporting on this myself, is that Bezos must have stopped writing blank checks. Uh, he, you know, in the, the the first years of his ownership, you know, wrote checks so that Marty Barron could expand the staff. And it, you know, turned out it was not so hard to return the post to its glory times when its Washington coverage was, you know, on a par with the times, if not better. But, but I think you know that 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 he did not enjoy, and this is this is a problem with these you know billionaire rescuers of American newspapers. They they don't like to lose money. Yeah, <laughs> they may be willing to to see red ink for a couple of years, but not more than that. And I think Bezos has you know closed the checkbook and maybe lost some interest in 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 the post i that that's just my from a distance uh, sense of it it looks like the times and interpret right back to out they engage in other things to make money their cooking stuff does very well their travel can section. i just pause for a minute yeah. because okay. um as some of your viewers know, I was unceremoniously fired as executive editor of The Times in 2014. The right. cooking app was my baby. Well, it's, it, been I, it's a making huge them a part. Money maker. I use it. <laughs> okay. I, I, literally, they're my go to place. I mean, that, that stuff is good, but they're, it's they're, fantastic. They expanded. Give Jill Abe some credit. You think anybody's going to come by and give you credit for that? No. But no, the, I think that had a lot to do with why the Times is doing so much better. Is games are, and cooking and other um, crossword puzzles? Yeah. That's games. A crossword puzzle yes, is right, under right. the games. Yeah. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's not only the crossword puzzle; it's Wordle, it's spelling yeah. bee. Which Bill Clinton is, do the Times crossword puzzle, and literally his pencil would not leave the paper. Right. And he had a coffee and a salad. And I watched him on the campaign plane. And he put the salad dressing in the coffee and the creamer on the salad and drank the coffee and ate the salad. And that didn't is fabulous. And he was <laughs> there, There's a fantastic document. I, I, I said to somebody, watch this shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he he appears in this fantastic documentary about the Times crossword puzzle. Uh, he could do that. That's not that that I've seen with my own two eyes. That's not uh -huh. that's not some campaign spin. Hey, so, hey, James, let me let me let me just wrap up the Harvard thing because then we're going to come to coverage of Trump and, and everything else. But you know, Jill, I I just want to know why in the hell should private equity and hedge fund and corporate raider billionaires have major voices on university policies and leaders. It wasn't just Harvard and Penn. Mark Rowan and John Huntsman, right. both self-styled. I mean, Mark Rowan inherited, you know, from Leon Black, Apollo, which is well, really he also, one, but my point, one of the more disgusting private equity firms. And he gave a million dollars to Donald Trump. John Huntsman served under him. How the hell can they be? arbiters of morality and anti-bigotry? I mean, they, there's only one answer, and it's, again, the checkbook. Uh, 
money talks uh, louder than ever at all of these institutions. It's it's a shame. It really is. James, can we turn to Trump coverage? Yeah. So, Jill, I've got, you know, kind of teed up was the Marines column and Margaret Sullivan wrote a piece in The Guardian. Yeah. If, if you were, how would you direct coverage of Trump if you were directed in New York Times today or, or any news organization, AP, I don't care. I mean, it, 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 it's a, a, a tough one. You would think it, it, it shouldn't be. But, you know, he was, unfortunately, I think for the country and, 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 and for us, he was president for four years. He's definitely the leading candidate today for the Republican nomination. It's a very serious possibility that he could be returned to the White House. So you can't ignore him, number one. Uh, certainly in 2016, the press went overboard in covering every tweet and, you know, putting all of his appearances on live cable news. But, you know, you gotta, you you have to cover Donald Trump as an extremely serious contender for the, the White House. But, That means also not letting him lead the kind of coverage that you do. And, you know, I would say that the Times, I'm not just saying this because I spent a big part of my career there. I think that they are showing the rest of the press how to do it. Uh, on most days, which is they are looking deeply at what a return to power for Donald Trump would mean for the country in substance, uh, policy, and and politics. And, you know, they, they've run this amazing series uh, in the past couple of weeks by Maggie Haberman, Jonathan Swan, and Charlie Savage, who is a less known entity because he isn't on TV as much, but he's a gem. And again, I believe I, everything I, he writes, Jill. I just believe I, it. If he writes you know, it. I'm going to sound obnoxious here because I, 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 I credited myself with cooking, but Charlie Savage, I found and hired. Uh, And he has done deeper reporting going back to George W. Bush's administration on the expansion of executive power than any journalist, um, I think, ever has. And it's brilliant, important work and more relevant now um, to Donald Trump than ever it has been. And they've been running this series about, you know, Trump and and his um, his circle and their, you know, approach to power, which is that there are basically no limits to presidential power. And that, that they have shown how Trump, if he becomes president again, is going to run every aspect of policy out of the White House. Uh, well, I, I give them, I think that's been a, a, a fabulous series. Um, my worry is this, and it's not so much the Times, everyone else, 
fine, we do that in December, January, February. But then as the year goes on, we get caught up in what happened in six. I mean, CNN right. should have made should have been billed for an in-kind contribution to Donald Trump because in they 2016. Covered yeah. Yes, I, they covered I, I everything. But but even recently, you and got, I have, Al, remember that Trump got two billion dollars worth of free media yes, coverage in 2016. Yes. You and I had a mild disagreement on a story. I don't I have contempt for Mark Halpern, the disgraced journalist. So he writes a piece, Trump is up in New Hampshire and he praises Putin and Viktor Orban. And the Washington Post leads with that. I think if Joe Biden went somewhere and praised, I you picked the person, Xi Jinping and, 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 <laughs> and somebody else, I think that would be the lead. And the cheerleader, the Trump cheerleaders say, no, you should have led with a great, his economic message, which is really rather banal, and the crowds. So I think it's not just the great pieces that are done now, and they really were fabulous, but it's got to be continual. And it can't be done in a in an irresponsible way. And it can't be done fast. That's the other no. thing. The news no, cycle can't. moves so quickly now uh, that there aren't many news organizations that can or are willing to invest the, you know, reporter power you need to, you know, get behind what's really going on. Well, and there, you know, I'll give you one example. If you look, this is not just the huge civil liberties issues that he raises and abuse of presidential power. <laughs> After all, this is a guy who wanted to execute the former uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff. But just look at some of his economic uh, messages. He is going to extend the $3 trillion tax cut. He won't cut any entitlements. Uh, he's going to impose massive tariffs on most imports. Right. I mean, I think most economists from conservative to liberal would say that is a recipe for economic disaster, a recession, inflation. That's the kind of stuff that can be covered, can be quantified. You can talk to a range of people and you ought to do it continuously, not to. Yeah, I would not give the press a fantastic grade on that area of, of coverage. I wouldn't either. James, will you weigh in? Because oh, you- I- I just make the observation about the three of us, all right? Hey, you know, we've had some pretty interesting careers and done, you know, different things. And I have come to the conclusion, and you know, each of us learned, we got fact-check boxes, we've got Ginn Lancaster, we've got David Dale at the Times, that does huge in-depth reporting. Atlantic writes an entire issue on the dangers of Trump. It would really floored me was January 6th. I thought, yeah. well, shit, this is a bridge too far. People are going to be repulsed by this. And then I saw the January 6th committee and I said, man, these people did a pretty good job. You got to give them credit. The video was good. The questions were good. The witnesses were good. The evidence was overwhelming. And more people than ever think it was a tourist business. Nothing, nothing is moving anything. You hit these unbelievable stories. And it all breaks right in front of you and nothing changes. And I don't know that, you know, I think they do a good job. I think Maggie and, and all of them. Right, know, but it, it, it don't matter. It doesn't I matter. Know. I know. I, I think the problem, James, is a familiar one, which is the times, alas, is preaching to the convert. Uh, I mean, the people. Most of the times is, um, you know, large and and very affluent 
readership and audience uh, is, you know, either on the East Coast or, or you know, on the, the West yeah. Coast, highly educated liberal readership. Uh, they don't, you know, they value and, you know, I'm not discounting the importance of what the, the Times reports, but the people who need to read this coverage are not reading it. Well, I, I know, but you know, they, they see the January 6th committee, right? There's some idea. They lived in an economy. I'm, I, I'm sorry, because every day people live in an economy. It, 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 nothing, it, nothing moves. I know. Right? It just, it, 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 it's so hard to confront this reality that, it, you know, the podcast, you, you know, people, we talk to people, we feel like we connected in, don't make a shit. And I, I I don't know if it's possible to even break out of this depressing, what I think is a doom loop we in. Uh, you know, the, the Secretary of Defense story, we talked about it. This is not a good look. This is not no. a good look at all. <laughs> at all. But anyway, I, uh, Al, I'll turn it back to you. But I just, you know, how much I respect you and I think the insight that you give us. But I think at some point we we got to admit we're all pretty yeah, pretty, pa- pretty powerless to to change things. Yeah, right. It is. Joe, right, let, me, let, let me go to our friend Maureen Dowd's column. Two points. I think picking up on what we're talking about now, she made the point. Yeah, the press has to do its job. But, you know, it's the job of the other side to make the case. Biden has not done that very effectively. He's he's starting to. Yes. He gave a good speech, I thought, at Valley Forge. But that has to be, he's not, he's not the best communicator, but, you know, that has to be joined. And I think she's right on that. I do, uh, too. The, the other point she, she alluded to, and I'm just curious, you know, the, whether it's the, um, the, the papers or the networks, or the individual reporters, Trump was a lucrative uh, a gig for them. I mean, they had more viewers, they had more readers, they had more clicks, and reporters got book contracts and TV contracts and everything. Is that an element at all in all this? It's a, it it is a, a, a an important element in all of this, and at least for the New York Times, the crucial element is paid subscriptions uh, during Trump's. You know, first term, uh, millions and millions of paid subscriptions were added to the Times. And that's like, that's the Times is bread and butter now, much more than advertising is, right, is, right, is right. reader revenue. And that Trump is, you know, he's great for that. So, yeah, that's a factor. We'd be very naive to think it isn't. But I would also just like to pause and say, my friend Maureen Dowd is killing it. She 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 is writing oh, as as strong a, a a group of columns as ever she has. Whether it's on Trump or you know when when it calls for it, like her her column about Joe Biden not acknowledging Hunter's uh, illegitimate child. Um, was incredibly influential, uh, and she oh, was right on that. And uh, she, I just think, 
let, you know, you have to take your hat hat off and 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 tip the hat to someone who has been writing this political column and saying it like it is since 1992. Wow, pretty, pretty good, pretty good. And I'll tell you something, I, I, I've written a lot of columns and some of them really bore me. I am never bored by Maureen Dowd. Uh, uh, that's how good she is. And she she works she works hard and she doesn't feel the love. I mean, it, it's you you both know it's like mean out there. You know, most most of the feedback you get is too horrible to even look at. Well, I still harbor hope that you and Maureen and I can spend some time in New Hampshire next well, week. That'd be Maybe take the thing was illustrative about the grandson. I don't know of anything weirder than Trump and Melania and Barron. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe Maureen could like turn a cannon in that, <laughs> in that Should direction. Should we pause and do an RIP for Melania's mom or skip yeah. it? <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel saying anybody loses their mother, we've, we've all, unfortunately, we've all been through that. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I think that she shouldn't have anything to do with him. Uh, my own personal thing is I, I think he stinks. I really do. And I think there's a lot of evidence. And I'm, that that's that's my new obsession because I you know, am. It's working. James, we James. Try well, you, I'm hoping that you're right, James. Your theory, which I think is... A, a, a brilliant one is that maybe the best way to, you know, bring Trump down is to ridicule him. Uh, it's certainly worth a try. Well, I think Marty Short really agrees with me. I talked to him last night. He's on the case and he's going to supply some ideas and you, you, we just can't sit there and, you know, sometimes you... Yeah, somebody's anonymous said, anonymous said a lot of things, better to light one candle and curse the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Jim. Go ahead, Al. Thank hey, you. Joe Abramson, you're every bit as good as that. No, you're better than advertise. Absolutely. Um, and we learned so much from you about a whole range of subjects, and I thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank, thanks so much for having me. I love your podcast. It's, uh, it's terrific. And, and and please give our best wishes to Dr. Griggs, who I is shall. the physician for our Sunday Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> the, ha- the house doc. The house doc, right. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You know, James, I have long had a soft spot for the Green Bay Packers, going back to Vince Lombardi and then David Marinus' great book, When Pride Still Matters. It's a community-owned team. And I'm happy that Jordan Love, their, their current quarterback, is the only first-year quarterback to lead the team to the NFL playoffs. Even more, I hope he's a decent guy going back to the mold of Bart Starr. That shows you how old I am. 
But the Packers have had some great quarterbacks who are real assholes. The most recent was Aaron Rodgers, you know, vaccine denier, who recently suggested that the late night uh, show host, Jimmy Fallon, might be on the tapes of the infamous sexual predator, Jeffrey Epstein. Of course he wasn't. And then before that, there was Brett Favre, who most recently was embroiled in a scam in Mississippi where money meant for welfare recipients was instead doled out as political favors, including $5 million to build a volleyball court at Favre's alma mater. So I wish Mr. Love a lot of success, make a lot of money, and please be a good citizen. So I got, but my best defense of these two guys is they concussed. I, I, I think they've both been hit in the head too many times because it, it's impossible to arrive at that level of stupidity on you. Yeah. So yeah. My, my outrage is if, if you were to take a formula you said over many years and times the assholeness times the number of times wrong, the leader by far, no, no question about it, would be the Wall Street Journal editorial page. They're massive assholes. They're, they are, are literally never right, and they're very annoying. Uh, how many times editorials did it do is, who killed Vince Foster? Okay, that gives you some idea. And for the longest time, they have been saying that, oh, global warming is nothing. It, it, it's just variations. It's El Nino. It, it, it's a liberal boutique issue. And you hear a lot of these kind of centrist, kind of left-to-center assholes and, you know, who profess to be for the common man. And, and we, need to, we don't need to focus on global warming. We need to focus on gas prices and price of eggs and, 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 and everything else. Then I read a story a few days ago in the Wall Street Journal, actually in the journal, about how high insurance rates are and how it's been driven by hurricanes and wildfires. I don't have to tell you this is directly limited to climate change. And, and I'm still listening to this shit in like where I am, but where everybody is. It's not just if you live on, on, on the Gulf or you live on the Atlantic where you're getting, you can't afford it. It's getting like that because of wildfires, tornadoes, flooding all over the country. The jump in home insurance and auto insurance is profound and is deep. And let me tell you how, why it affects ordinary Americans. Because if you have a mortgage, you have to have insurance. You don't have a choice. If your car, if you don't pay cash for your car and you have a car loan, you have to have collision insurance. They're not, they're not, they'll take it away from you. And these rates are up like 25%. Now, I'm sure that some of these insurance companies are you know, using it to jack up the price a little bit, but they're experiencing record loss. And this is hitting ordinary Americans right in the pocketbook. This is as much of a tax increase as Trump's 10% tariff would be a, a, a tax increase on everybody. And, you know, I, and, and I, I'm sick of, of these kind of centrist assholes. And I, I agree with them on some stuff. I certainly agree with them that it's this kind of coded language not worth a shit. But the idea that this is some boutique issue that a bunch of college professors give a shit about and doesn't affect ordinary American is literally insane. It's breaking ordinary Americans. You're getting, you're being broke. 
It's a bigger explosion in expenses than anything that you can imagine. Don't look at it this way. And I'm going to start being openly critical of, of these the climate dickweeds because this is not something that's off in the future. This is not something, this is something immediate. This is having significant drag on Americans' incomes. It's going to have a significant drag on GDP. And by the way, I don't know, I don't get credit for this, but something most people don't realize is right now, we're producing more domestic oil and gas than any time in history. We're just all, you know, and it's more than screw global warming. You know, we're going to lose the election. We're going to get gas price down. So let's put all money and all the petroleum out of strategic petroleum reserve. Let's give every drilling permit we have. Okay, we've done that. And what you're saving at the gas pump compared to what the additional cost of insurance, I got, I got news for you. You're behind. This is not a boutique issue. It's an everyday issue, and it's kicking Americans in the groin every day. Agreed. Al, very good piece, but I, I finally found somebody more culturally clueless than me, and that would be you. It actually wasn't Jimmy Fallon. It was Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I don't know how I knew that, but... <laughs> James, James could you pick him out in the line? I don't think I could. I, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I might get confused. But at any rate, please stay around because I'll always be the second most culturally clueless person. <laughs> it's a close contest. I never had that problem with David Letterman and Jay Leno. <laughs> there you go. I was a, all of, you know, <laughs> it was a different era. <laughs> That's all I could say. All right, James, now for our questions, and they are good, as always, from the listeners. David in Salt Lake City, Utah, says, what do you think will be the impact on 2024 if Trump should be acquitted in one of those early trials? No one seems to discuss this possibility. What would the White House and Democrats do then? Well, first of all, before I answer the question, I want to say something. Salt Lake City is one of my favorite places to go. I think some people say, oh, it's like a bunch of Mormons. And, you know, not really. They're very nice people. But the airport there, the, the whole place, Fabulous. the food scene there, those those Utah mountains are, 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 are stunning. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough. And actually, I, I like going to Temple Square. I mean, it, it certainly don't, the whole history of... Uh, What's the name? Fran Brody. I read up books about, you know, a lot of books on history. History is fascinating, fascinating place. I, 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 and by the way, I think it's Democrat, they're Democratic mayor. I think they had a gay Democrat for mayor. So just, you know, people get this. Uh, My niece is a ski instructor out there. Not a bad job. N no, it, it, it's not a bad job. What was the question? <laughs> the question was impact on 24 if Trump should be acquitted in one of these. Yeah, so, so the question is the impact if Trump's. I think it'd be pretty pretty profound, I, I, and I think the impact would be it would really rally his people, and it would really kind of demoralize Democrats. I I I think the question is spot on, and I I don't think it's a minor issue. I mean, what you know, is it going to cause huge shifts? But you don't need huge shifts now. It, it, yeah. But I think it would have a a. a the suppressing effect on, on, on Democratic enthusiasm and would increase Republican enthusiasm. 
Yes. I, I agree. David in Miami says, are, are there enough open primaries for independents and Democrats to help Nikki Haley with her quest for the nomination? The answer, David, no. Uh, there will be uh, in New Hampshire in, uh, in in two weeks where you can go and in, in independents are a much larger block than Democrats or Republicans. They can vote in either primary. You can re-register if you're a Democrat. That's unique. Uh, once they turn out once you go past New Hampshire and you start South Carolina, most of those states have closed primaries. Only Republicans. That helps Trump. Agree 100 percent. Next question. Yeah. John in Gurney, Illinois, says Jim Clyburn helped Biden win South Carolina. Rep Clyburn is now co-chair of President Biden's reelect campaign. Do you think that'll help with black voters in 2024? Look, I, I like uh, Representative Clyburn, I think he's had a remarkable life. I think he's had a remarkable career. I think he is, if anybody can take credit for beating Donald Trump in 2020, he would be one of the top three on anybody's list. And I don't think it's going to matter much. Because I'm, I'm of the view, just so you know, and I've talked about this before, I don't think anything matters right now. I've just so become so... And I look at the, the the black numbers, and they're horrific. And, and, and honestly, Joe Biden has been the best president black America's ever had, period. I include Obama in that. I include President Clinton in that. I probably, maybe Lyndon Johnson, all right? If you just took from where you, where you were when he started and where you were when he finished, you'd have to say it's pretty profound. But in right. terms of job numbers, in terms of appointments, in terms of just who he is— I couldn't imagine anybody being better for black America than Joe Biden. And it's just not showing up. I'm sorry. And I don't yeah. think the appointment of anybody to the campaign, for black woman Supreme Court justice. I mean, uh, the cabinet, the secretary of defense, the UN ambassador. I mean, it just again, 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 it, it ain't moving the needle. And I don't know that I'm not very confident something will. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid you're right, James. I really am. Jim in Bab Babcock Ranch, Florida, says, I detect hesitance on your part for having the Supreme Court based on the 14th Amendment disqualify Trump from running for president. January 6th, Jim says, cross the line. Isn't it time past time for American leaders to lead? Jim, I hate my answer on this. I really do. I apologize ahead of time. But I think the substantive case for disqual disqualifying him from uh, the ballot is really powerful. You know, people like Michael Ludig, one of the you know most respected conservative jurists, uh, have persuaded me of that. However, I think it would be a mistake. It would be a mistake not because there's not a great case. He was he did lead an insurrection against the government of the United States by trying to overturn uh, an election. But I think the political fallout would be humongous. I think there would be violence. Uh, I think people, it would raise questions that would just um, linger for decades, if not longer. You know, Al, I, I, I agree with your answer, but I, the more that I, I can't tell you, it's like a 225-page opinion or something like that. I can't tell you I read all terms, but I read some of it and I read a, a lot about it. The case was actually brought by two conservative law professors, I think. And... Yeah. The, I got to tell you, the, the rationale in, in that Colorado Supreme Court, I mean, they anticipated every argument. They had factual findings. I mean, they went to 
a, a shitload of trouble. And they do this off the top of the head. I mean, in in I agree. This is my prediction. I think the Supreme Court will say you can't do this. And I don't think sometimes the Supreme Court does stuff that's not rooted in law, that's rooted in politics. Okay, I, I know that. My uh, my backdoor prop bet is one so called one of the three liberals votes to keep him on, and one of and not let's take the chief justice out, and, and one of the five conservative votes to keep him off. And that's an easy. If if I'm if I care about the image of the court, and I'm trying to do something to say, oh, you know, we actually read the law, we actually like read the briefs, and we care about it. And this is a gimme. So Kagan goes to Gorsuch and says, "Look, this thing is going to happen. Let's just switch this." And if you don't think that shit goes on, then of course it does. They're watching the world. But that's yeah. my that's my off the wall prediction. You you, you get uh-huh. two votes. They go in an unpredictable way to try to save their ass because that reputation is justifiably ethically, legally, politically, anything you can think of. They're in a toilet right now. And they need to, and that, and they got to try to crawl out. And you hear them, you know, you got Barrett, you know, whining about it. You got Hagan whining about it. Uh, they're, they're, they're not as big a deal as they used to be, and they know it. James, I agree with you. That internal stuff happens all the time. I think I think another thing, and this may be the most important thing that comes out of this, if they do keep him on the ballot, which they're likely to do, whether it's 7263 or 9-0, I don't know. Uh, I think it makes it really, really almost impossible or incredibly hard to go along with him on his on his incredulous immunity Thank on prosecution. I think it makes it much harder for some of those conservatives, not Alito and Thomas, they don't care. But I, I think that decision is more likely to be a 6-3 or 7-2 against Trump. I, I, I agree. And this gives them a, you know, all the politics is just lined up. And right, right. Sam, you're going to, you're not going to like this question. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. It comes from right. Robin in Covington, Louisiana. Oh my God. And she said, should those of us, or I don't know if it's a he or she, I apologize, can be either one with Robin. It's a great name. Should those of us in Louisiana committed to stopping Trump organize to win our state in the 24 election or volunteer a phone bank or canvas in a, in, in a place? Explain your answer so I can convince others. Okay. Well, first of all, Covington is, is a, in St. Tammany Parish. It's kind of across north of Lake from you It's a very, very nice town. It's a very, very good restaurant there. Very good. I ate a, one of my girlfriends in all she was from Covington. She lived on South Drive. I actually was that I don't go and looked at the house. It was it's been 50 years ago, maybe. Um, no, I, you know, I, but we're not going to carry. If, if we carry Louisiana, then shit, we get 400 electoral votes. But maybe more. Some, right. Yeah, maybe more. But 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 you know, there's some things you can get list. You can you know volunteer to make calls in Georgia, which does matter. It's going to matter profoundly. You can do bulk. You can, you know, write small checks. Uh, you can do stuff online, uh, but we're not going. I think we're wasting time. Yeah, I hate to be a downer, but we're not going to carry Louisiana. And I, I thank you for your, your your question and your passion and your intensity, but we got to direct it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, 
Dale in St. Paul, Minnesota, says, and I'm sure he's talking about the State of the Union in February, should Joe Biden confront Marjorie Taylor Greene when she heckles him this time? When is playing nice ever changed anyone's position? Dale, um, I don't subscribe to the Michelle Obama. When they go low, we go high. I think, you know, we got to go low uh, from some of this stuff. But, you know, the president of the United States does not want to get in the gutter with Marjorie Taylor Greene or Mac Getz. Other people can do it, but he basically ought to just uh, ignore them because they are not they are not people who, uh, as I say, you want to get in the gutter with. I, I, you know, I, I, I tentatively agree with you, but I don't know what I'd give if, if he just looked at it and says, who told you to say that, your gym instructor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're right, but not overwhelmingly right. I, I think one kind of line like that or some. Democrat yell back at her, you know? Yeah. Or Matt, did you learn that? Words in your mouth? Right. Matt, did you learn that from those underage girls? No, that probably wouldn't work. Right, 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 right. You know, there's a big part of me says you got to get into. I had a pig when I was in a 4-H club, and we were I swap pig. I'd take care of the pig, you know. So I, I know something about slopping pigs. I know something about pig pens. And we were loading the pig up to go to, we wanted a parish fair in Plaquemine. We were going to Shreveport and loading him up in the thing to take him to Shreveport. And he broke his leg. We had to eat the goddamn thing. But so I have some experience with pigs. And sometimes you got to get in the slop with them. And I, I don't, it's probably not the time to do it, but. I, I wouldn't be disappointed if we did. I, I, I tell you, I wish a, you know, a Democratic congressman, you know, you know, what else besides words is your gym instructor putting in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Mark in Benton, Iowa, says to you, James, could you at least try to couch your complaints about Biden? Can you run down some of his key accomplishments we Ooh. all should know about? Delightedly. That the lowest unemployment rate in over 50 years, all right? A, a, a really, you know, good job so far on Ukraine is handling stuff in the Middle East about as well as you can. Has any number of highly competent appointments in his ad- administration, very diverse. I think his Supreme Court appointment is one of the great Supreme Court appointments in American history, I think his basic decency is, is a human being uh, shines through some sometimes like everybody else. He's got faults. I, I totally admire the way that he stands by his son, uh, brings him to state dinners, does things like that. Uh, I, I think the, his plan is turned to green energy is the greatest magnificent leap we've had in a direction that is a threat to the entire world. So I'm a huge admirer of, of President Biden's both personally. And you would add infrastructure, I'm sure. I, what I had So we've been talking about infrastructure since fucking 60s. Since the, since I, I talk about Eisenhower built the interstate highway system. And America just can't do big things anymore. We're doing big things now. I'm really big things. I, I'm not my... Complaint is not with President Biden in terms of his accomplishments and in terms of anything else. 
I just think politically, you know, I, but I, I didn't win this fight, so I'm I'm totally in it and totally trying to do whatever I can to help save this country and win this freaking election. But do not ever confuse my skepticism with President Biden's polling numbers and his age with what I but my respect for what he's done and what he's accomplished as president. That, 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 and I understand why you would feel that way. I, I think to some extent that's my fault, but I haven't been clear enough about it. But thank you for giving me the opportunity to clean that up. Yeah, it's a really, it's a good point. And uh, I, I would just agree with James and say that right now, I don't think there has ever been a first-term president with the kind of accomplishments that Joe Biden has. I mean, I don't either go back to, you know, maybe FDR. I suppose that would have to be an exception given the situation. But other than that, you know, it's hard to think of any uh, first-term president who's even come close. You know, if you remember, we slipped back into a recession in 1936. Right. I mean, yeah. I agree with the stuff he put in place. I, I don't, but 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 it, it that's pretty, pretty big praise is to, since at least Franklin Roosevelt first term. I, I, I'd take that anybody. It's pretty amazing. You sure would. All right. Keep those questions coming in. If we didn't get to them this week, we'll get to them next week uh, because you really are. It's just terrific. I feel so good uh, about our audience when I get those questions because you are so smart. I I love it when you challenge us. I do too. And they give me a chance to clean up stuff that I wouldn't normally have a chance to do. So I appreciate the question. Thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville, and I am Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. Now, following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you check out the links to our sponsors, Stellar Sleep, ExpressVPN, and Songfinch in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting them because when you do, it helps make this podcast happen. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You also can find other shows you might enjoy on the Politicon YouTube channel or when you search Politicon on your favorite podcast sites. Remember, please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our War Room planning.